please the Lord. I, I remember when I was a young pastor, and I'm still a young pastor. Don't you come and say I'm an old pastor, okay? <laughs> I was a younger pastor, uh, learning as a pastor, and uh, we were in a big church in South Africa, and one of the pastors there said he don't like these pauses, these silent moments in a service. He wants to fill it all with something needs to happen, otherwise it is awkward. And you know what, as a young man I agreed with him. I said, yeah, no, no, I don't like it as well. But the older I get, and I'm still young, remember, the older I get, the more I appreciate the, the silence when you come in church and you just listen. And I, and I, and I want to say to you, brother and sister, do this. Start to talk to God. Pray every morning. You don't have to sit there and try to pray for an hour. Honestly, if, if, you, if, you, if you sit there and you start talking with God and read the Bible, you won't have to sit there and time yourself and go, it's an hour. It's easy. An hour, hour and a half just disappears. Sometimes I have to look and go, oh, I need to get ready for work. Where did the last hour and a half go? And that's how wonderful it is. You know, this is a relationship. It is not something which you do just because you want to tick off and come into God's good books. It's a relationship. And, and you know, I've been married to a beautiful wife for so many years and we've got a relationship. And we talk to one another. We sometimes sit in one another's presence. And sometimes I say to, to Leone, I say, I, I want to go some to a shop. Do you just want to get with me in the car and let's go to a shop? And she's got nothing to buy there, but I, it's just the presence of her in the car with me. And, and I, you know what I'm talking about? Just sitting, just sitting there with, with the one that I love here on the earth. And, and, just spend some, and sometimes we talk about a lot of things. And, and you know what? Sometimes in the car, there is, we don't talk. We came back from Swan Hill. It's four and a, four and a half, five hours drive. You know, the way that we did it. You know, I'm, I'm not racing around. But there were some times we listened to some music walked a little bit, but then there were times in the car when it was just silent. And you know what? I appreciate even those times. Because there's that presence there, isn't it? And this is the same with Him. It's the same with God. When I sit with Him in the morning and, and some days I go in there and I've got so much to say and I, I keep on just bubbling to the Lord and I, He just comes out and I talk to Him and I tell Him about you. I tell Him about the conversation you and I have at church and I, and I say, Lord, you know when John spoke to me about these things, Lord, you know his heart and these things and Glenn and, and it just bubbles over and then, and then I read and He talks to me through His script. But then there's days that I just go and sit there like the other morning and and I say, Lord, I've got nothing to say today. And it's okay. Isn't it on? And it's okay. Just to sit there. Because you know what? It's His presence. It's His presence. And I can maybe sit there for a half an hour... And if you can have a, a, a little bit of a, a camera into my office where I'm sitting and you look down and you go, John, John, what are you doing? No, I'm not in my nothing box. You know what the nothing box that means, God? 
when men sits there and, and, and the wife comes to him and say, what are you thinking? And, and he goes, nothing. <laughs> See, because he's different wired up, because, you know, he's sitting, it's not in my nothing box, it's just in his presence. And it's so wonderful. The presence of the Lord is so wonderful. I want to share that to you. I didn't plan to start this way, and I don't know how I'm going to get into the message, but I just needed to tell you this. It is a relationship, it is a fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ. And that fellowship starts when you, you surrender your life to Him. He comes to you because He loves you. He comes to you because the Father sent Him. He came to save you. He came because you, because you were in trouble. And because you are in trouble. And because you will be in trouble. And because you do things on your own. That's when He came to you. And He says to you, do not lean on your own understanding, but trust in God with all of your heart. Will you do that? Will you spend some time with him? Please do. Because I'm telling you what. It is much more than what this whole earth can offer you. This earth can't offer you anything better than Jesus Christ. What if I give you $20 million today? I haven't got it, by the way, but... What will that do for you? You would say, well, you know, money makes the world go around. But then, like we've heard this Prince Philip, you will come to the end of your life, and that will be like that. What? If you spend time with him all of your life here on the earth, how will it be that you want to try to spend time with him? Because you know what he will say? most probably he will say, depart from me, I do not know you. So let us spend time with him. The closer we come to the fire, the more we are to believe, the earnest the Spirit of God is becoming. And if you haven't noticed, we are coming close to the fire. The world is burning, and uh, they talk about global warming, and they are right. They are absolutely correct. You say, what are you saying? You believe in global warming? No, I don't. I don't believe in global warming. But they are absolutely correct. <laughs> because it's written in here that everything here will be dissolved by what? By fire. It's coming. Just not the way that they are preaching it to you but it doesn't bring fear in your hearts. Amen? Now I want to talk to you today about three vineyards. Now I know I said there are three vines, but you find vines in a vineyard, don't you? I want to talk to you about three vineyards today. Uh, and you know that we are start, started preaching about how do we live a godly life in an ungodly world. 
and we've touched on so many things. It's all on the net. You can go and listen to them the last few weeks. Yeah, we need to live godly lives and holy lives. And what that means, it means a separation from the world. Yes, we are still in the world, but we are living a separated life in the world. The world can still see you, they can still talk to you, but you and I know that we are not part of this kingdom, we are part of a heavenly kingdom. You and I know that we are not citizens of this world, although we live in here, we are citizens of another world. You and I know that we are not ambassadors of this world, we are ambassadors of a heavenly place. And if you're an ambassador of a heavenly place, then you need to start to live like an ambassador of heaven. And going through the Bible, I found there's three vineyards. Some people identify two, but I'll show to you clearly that there's three vineyards. And I want to use today's message in the same theme for us, how we live on this earth. How do we live on this earth and how do we conduct ourselves? Now, we know what a vineyard is. That's where you plant grape uh, vines. You know, the, you plant the vine in a vineyard. And then after a while... You tend it to it. What comes out of that? Beautiful grapes. And I don't know about you, but I love grapes. I absolutely love grapes. And I love the red ones. And, and just, I think, two weeks or so ago in Woolworths, they had the big black ones. Who knows what I'm talking about? They were really good. Man, I went in there and I nearly cleared out the whole rack. Because it's so good. And when I eat it, I can say, this comes from a good vintage. A good grape comes from a good place, and, and it's nice. And I, I love the green ones as well, and all of the grapes. But if I put grapes in front of you, you would say to me, this comes from a fig tree, would you? Would you? No, it comes from a vine. And that's the fruit. Now, if I plant a vineyard and I go there, and after some times I've toiled through there, I want to go there and find some fruit that I can eat. I remember as a young boy in our house, one of our houses we lived in, we had one of these vines there, and it was the black uh, grapes. And man, that thing gave us a lot of fruit, and I couldn't wait for it. I, I remember some days just standing up and walking up to it, and, and it had to turn. It had to turn to the nice color, and it had to become a little bit softer. And I couldn't wait. I could get out there, and I look at it, and the next day I would come out there, and I look at it, and I had six sisters. I just want to throw it in there, okay? I come from a big family, and there's this one particular one. Every day I come out, it's not ready yet. And then one day, I thought, tomorrow I'm going to eat you. Tomorrow is the time. And when I got there the next day, it was gone. One of my sisters got to it. Oh, the disappointment. And then starts over that whole process again, Janelle. I looked at another one. And I thought I'd hide it. I thought I'd push it up a little bit and get the leaves around it. And I had six sisters. Did I mention that? That also disappeared. But praise God, there were so many of them, they couldn't eat it all. <laughs> but we are looking for grapes on the vine. There's three vineyards in the Bible I want to bring to you. And let me get into the first one. The first one you would, rem uh, you would recognize it straight away. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, the word of the Lord says, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. 
There is a vineyard there. Can you see? Let me sing to my well-beloved, capital letter, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. Talks about God. And now he says, My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. I want you to notice, there's nothing wrong with the hill there. It says it's fruitful, isn't it? And then he goes on to say in verse 2, He dug it up and cleared out its stones, and he planted it with the choicest vine. This is what you do. You go in and you dig up all of those stones, and you rake it, and you prepare it, the soil. But it's fruitful soil. It's a it's good place to be. The beloved came and he, he purposely looked for the right place to plant the choicest, listen to this, the choicest vine. Not only did he do that, but he built a tower in its midst. Why would he put a tower there? It is for protection. A tower is a sign of authority. If you see a tower, you know that there's a king. And the king is the king of the tower, and it shows his authority. Not only is it a fruitful hill, but it's also the authority of the, the landowner is there. He digged it out its stones, and he planted it with the vine. And also he made a vine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. You see the disappointment in this. As I went that day and I tried to get that nice fruit there and my sisters took it away, this is a little bit further than that. There was an expectancy here and he comes to the vineyard and he comes to the vine and he's looking for that beautiful fruit on the vine and there is wild, wild grapes there. It's like vinegar. This is the first vine, I want a vineyard I want to talk about. The first vineyard. The choicest vine he planted there. And then he says, in verse 3, he says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. It's already an indication to you where this vineyard is and who this vineyard is. It's an indication to you. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? God said that to this particular vineyard, He did everything. He gave them every single thing. Why then? A question. When I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Remember, the choicest vine was planted in there, in this vineyard. And now, please, verse 5, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its heads, that's the protection, and it shall be burned and break down its wall, that's its protection, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste, I shall not prune or dig it up, but there shall come briars and thorns, I will also command the clouds that the rain shall not rain on it. And in verse 7 we see who this vineyard is. He says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. That's the vineyard, Israel. And the men of Judah are its pleasant fruit plant. 
He looked for justice and behold oppression, for righteousness, but behold a cry for help. So he's talking about Israel, this vineyard which was planted. Now, it begs to ask the question, if that's the vineyard, who is the choicest vine that he planted within them? It is written all over the Old Testament. It is Jesus Christ. He's the vine. He's the choicest vine that he could have planted in this vineyard. And what did it bring forth? It brought forth wild grapes. It wasn't the fruit that he was looking for. And if you look at the words that he says he's going to break down the heads and the protection, you will read right through. And it's so wonderful. The Bible is one of the best historical books you've ever find. History book. It's a great history book if you want to read it for history. And you go back to Israel and you look right through the history and you will see that first Syria came in and they conquered it. Then the Assyria came in and then the Babylonians came and they just trampled the place all over. So think of this. This is the nation Israel. The choicest vine is still Jesus Christ. It is written all over the Old Testament. Let me tell you this morning, the Old Testament, every single prophet that prophesied, prophesied in the shadow of the substance. Let me explain. The substance is the New Testament is Jesus Christ. The whole Old Testament speaks about Jesus Christ. The whole Old Testament speaks about Jesus Christ. You can find Him in the Old Testament. He's there. The choicest vine. And all they had to do, all they had to do is bear fruit from the vine. And what did they produce? Wild grapes. Why? Because they were disobedient to Him. Disobedient to Him. The fruit He was looking for was righteousness. That is it. What does righteousness mean? To live a life acceptable to God. He gave them the Old Testament full of the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments coming down from the mountain. Not only that, Deuteronomy, He wrote them more laws. He says, this is how I want you as a nation to live. Why? Why, Israel? So that a godless people can see a nation and how a nation can approach a holy God. This is why he chose that nation. And all he wanted, the fruit on the tree, all he wanted from that nation was righteousness. That's what he was looking for. To live a life acceptable to God. I don't want to labor the point because I want to get to the other vignettes. But listen, in the New Testament, Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. He writes to the church, the Christian church, the Gentiles and the Jews mixed in this church, the Messianic Jews. He writes to them, he says to those people and to you and me today, he says, My 
today for Israel as it stands there. Never turn your back on Israel because Israel is God's chosen nation. Never say a word against that nation. I know they do atrocities, but God will, God will deal with that. But he says, my prayer for Israel is that they may be saved. They lost today. I'm not talking about the ones who accepted Christ. They lost. But he says that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What knowledge is that? It's the knowledge that you and I are so privileged to have sitting in church today. We are privileged. That knowledge. You're getting it preached every single Sunday to you. You open up your Bible as a Christian and you read it. That's the knowledge. He says, they've got so much zeal. If you look at the, the Orthodox Jews today, they've got so much zeal for God even today. They walk around with their paracletes and, you know, the law, the black little boxes on their foreheads. They go to their homes and they've got the law of God there, but they're still under the law. They are still so much zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. If you want to do a study, go and study the word knowledge right through the Bible and see where it leads and leads you. And you will find that you are sitting so privileged and hearing that knowledge every Sunday. It's the preaching of the word. It is the gospel. That's what it is. He goes on to say in verse 3, For they, being ignorant, everybody say ignorant. What does it mean? What does ignorant mean? Yeah, they, they're ignoring that knowledge. They're ignorant of that. Now, does it mean the knowledge? The knowledge is there. But they're ignorant of that. Being ignorant of God's righteousness. Where do you find God's righteousness? For them. For them. Where do you find it? In the Old Testament. It's right there. This is how you live a righteous life. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt. Do you want to live like that? There's a lot of people who still want to live like that. I don't. I come under Christ. Thou shalt not, he's still there. It's still there. It's not taken away. It was not thrown away. He fulfilled it. In Christ I've got it now. Doesn't mean I'm going to do those things. But because of the love of Christ, I'm not going to do it. They are so ignorant of God's righteousness. Again, righteousness is your lifestyle. It is living a life acceptable to God. Now look, there's two kinds of righteousness he talks about here. Very interesting. He says, they're ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish what? Their own righteousness. And that's the same problem today in the world. Don't you worry. Don't you point finger at Israel. It's happening to all of us as well. People are seeking their own righteousness. You go and ask people in the world and they say, you don't come and tell me how to live my life. Am I right or wrong? You come to them with Christ. You say, Jesus Christ is the one who's going to make your life better. Not for this world, but for the world hereafter. And they come to you and say, so what shall I do? You say, well, you can't continue in the sinful life that you're living. You see, according to you, that is right to do. Righteousness. It's right for you to do that. And you think it's good, but it's a sin according to God. It's your own right to do things. 
And they turn around and say, who are you to come and tell me to live a different life? Well, it's not me. I'm just a messenger. But God says there's a different righteousness. And here it is. He says they are seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You see, <laughs> the righteousness of God needs to be submitted to. There's the word. And that is the biggest problem of people today. They will not submit to God. I will not submit to any other power than my own power. Don't you tell me to come and submit to you. Well, I'm not. I'm telling you to submit to Him. You see, they haven't got... Here we go again. Let me just remind you. The knowledge. Where's that word again? They, they zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge. So don't point finger at them. If you sit here today, and you will not submit to the righteousness of God. Don't you point finger. And it says... For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Who? Who is the end of it? Say it again. One more time. Who is the choicest vine that he planted? Christ. Look at this. Don't, don't miss this. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness. What kind of righteousness? To live a life acceptable to... What should you and I do? We need to stand up every morning and say, Lord, help me today to live a life acceptable to you. To everyone who believes. Now, again, you know, this is what he was looking for them because here we find it. He looked for justice. But behold, oppression came. For what did he look righteousness he looked for righteousness behold a cry for help he looked at israel for righteousness he planted them in this vineyard he gave them everything they needed he was for them a god and all he wanted them to do is to obey his laws to live a life acceptable to him all the fruit that he was looking on the vine was called what? Come on, you should know it now. Righteousness. Live a life acceptable to him. That's the first vignette. I want to take you to a second vignette now, and I've actually mixed it up a bit. Because there's a lot of people who don't see this vignette I'm going to show you now. But we find this vignette in Revelation chapter 14. Now let me just say, I'm a believer in the rapture of the church, and I believe by now, the church is already gone from the earth. So it's not talking about the church right here. Let's read. The second vignette. Revelation 14, verse 18, And another angel came out from the altar, who had a power over fire, and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. Can you see that? He says, gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. You see, this vineyard is the vineyard of the vine of the earth. And he says to this angel, come in and reap. And what is he looking for? 
He's looking for the fruit. What is the fruit? For her grapes is, are fully ripe. So, verse 19, the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Is this a good winepress? No. Wait a minute. Just hang in there. Let's go back. What did he do in this one here? He said, he built for them a tower in the midst and also made a what? A wine press. You see, each vineyard has got what? A wine press. What, what do you do in a, a wine press? You press the grapes, you break the grapes, and when you break the grapes, what comes out? The juice of the grapes. So, when he came to this wine press for Israel, he put all the grapes in there and he, cr he crushed them and he broke them out and he came out what? Wild grapes. Sour taste. Here we find the same thing. It's really interesting, isn't it? When we read here, he says, so the sickle and the vine of the earth and the great winepress of the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Friend, You don't want to be in the wine praise of the wrath of God. You don't. I'm not even talking about persecution. I'm talking about the wrath of God. Now, listen. If you say to me, give me something. Just give me something to explain a little bit of the wrath of God. Go and read in the Old Testament again. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Was that a nuclear bomb they let drop on Sodom and Gomorrah? Was it a nuclear bomb? Where did that brimstone and fire came from? From God. And then go on and read about the earth opening up and swallowing people into the earth and close down again. This is horrible things, isn't it? You do not to fall into the hands of a God who is going to his wrath upon the earth upon people who do not bring forth the grapes and the fruit and the vine of God. You do not want to. I can't be more clearer about that. This is a vineyard you do not want to be part of. But let me tell you, we are living as ambassadors of heaven in this vineyard. So he, he came and he put his sickle in and he gathered all of these, these fruit, these grapes. And he put it into the winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles. And we know what's going to happen. This is pointing towards the battle of Armageddon. We know where that's going. But can you see this vineyard? Can you see it? So, what kind of fruit is this vineyard producing? And again, we go to Paul who writes in Romans chapter 1 verse 22. He says, professing to be wise. Oh, oh, but that is so true these days, isn't it? Professing to be wise. Just look at your news. 
We've all of a sudden has got all of these wise people just parading themselves over the news. I know better how you can live your life. I know better how you can look after yourself and keep yourself healthy. I know better because I am the medical expert and I am the scientific expert. Professing to be wise. You see, they're all part of this vineyard. The vine press of the earth. They're all part of that. We are living in those times now. He says, professing to be wise, they became wiser. No. They became what? Oh, you can't call somebody a fool today. You will lose your job for that. Honestly. They became fools. They are part of the vine place of the earth. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You see, when he came back, he gathered the clusters of the vine of the earth, the vineyard of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. What is that grapes looking like, church? They profess to be wise, but they are fools. It's not me saying it. I might lose everything in my life saying it in the future. I don't care. It is written. They are professing to be wise. Let me show you how their fruit looks like. Because you can see it. It's evident. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, the works of the grapes, of the vine of the earth. Can you make the connection? The works of the flesh are evident. You can see it. There's evidence for it. And you and I know what I'm talking about, which is adultery, fornication, The world is rife. It's actually rotten at the core of the fornication which is taking place today. Marriage is no more sacred. It's fornication. I haven't got time to go into each word and give you explanation, but for you to go and study and read up if you are one of those, go into each one of these words, go look at the Greek form of the word, and then go and study the word, and then you will find amazingly... <gasps> It's happening in our day. People are glorifying in it. Your children and some of your friends are watching TV shows about it. Fornication. Uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and again, look, I'm not going to dig into each one of those. I think you and I know what jealousy is, isn't it? I think you and I know what an outburst of wrath is, isn't it? You know, of anger. One moment is all good, it's all good, but don't. Because if you step on my toe, I'm getting irritated. And although I've got a beautiful smile, and I've got I'm, I'm I can be quickly, just like that, shouting and going on about it. Something tells you something about that fruit, isn't it? Now again, friends, this is, I know it's nice, we're talking about vineyards here. It's not supposed to be a confronting message, is it? But it is. You and I are not, by the way, part of the vineyard of Israel. No, no, we are grafted into it. 
But I'm not a Jew today. I haven't got Jewish blood. I'm a Gentile. So I'm not that vineyard. I was born in the vineyard of the earth as a sinner. Now it goes on to say in verse 21, all of these things, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, of which I tell you beforehand, and as this also tell you now in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you see, there is a penalty for this vineyard. There's a penalty. Let me quickly carry on. Revelation 14, 19. So the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vines of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God. Can you make the connection? He says he, he took it and threw it into the great press of the what? The wrath of God. Not of man, the wrath of God. And then Paul writes, he says to him, for the wrath of God is revealed from where? From heaven. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. There's that word again. Unrighteousness of men. You see, living a life acceptable to yourself, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The problem we have in our day today is that the world is suppressing the truth of God. (laughs) The truth is there. Because what may be known as God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and God it so that they are without excuse. There is no such thing as an atheist, by the way. There is no such thing as an agnostic. There is no such thing. If they come and say, I'm an agnostic, I believe in nothing. I'm an atheist, there's no God. They are but just fooling themselves. Again, let me show you the verse that I'll read to them. Professing to be, hey, Mr. Atheist, professing to be wise, they became what? Fools. That's what it is. There's no such thing. I haven't got time to go into that, and I don't want to get sidetracked. But it says there that... uh, his wrath, God's wrath is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God manifest in them, shown to them since the creation of the earth. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and foolish in their hearts and were darkened. Their minds were darkened. Now that is the second vignette. Let me give you the third vignette. Are you ready? I love this vignette. It's the vignette of the true vine. The third vignette is in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine. Who's speaking? Jesus Christ is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the wine dresser. God is the one preparing the vineyard, and he plants his choicest vine in the vineyard. Who is that vine? Jesus Christ, He came and He sent His Son for us into our vineyard. He planted it. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now look at this now. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. What does abide mean? I started off this, this, this morning by saying, spend time with him. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Let him talk to you. That is how you abide. Spend time with him. Know him better. How do you know him better? You read about him. You read about him. If, if, if I give you a book, if, if I say, look, here is the memoirs of John Shipman. Who wants to know me better? There wasn't a lot of hands going up all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, a very important person then. A memoirs of this person. And you open up the book of the memoirs of that person. And you read the story and you go, Wow, I didn't know. And here he reacted like that. Wow, this is what he did in that situation. And then there, and then, and then, and then, and then, by the end, when you close the book, you know more about that person than before you started reading the book. Am I right? And you will come to me and you say, you know what, I read the memoir of that person, and there was one situation where this happened to him, and this, that was so good for me. Why wouldn't you then want to study and read the memoirs of the true vine? Of Jesus Christ. You will know him better. Better. He says there, abide in me and I in you. You need to give him space in your life. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Well, without me you can do nothing. I've read that quickly, but I want to slow down because there's something which you might miss here. He says, I'm the vine, you are the what? The branches. Are you the vine? No. You are the branches. Now, I told you my story when I grew up. I saw the vine. It was there. It was a big one. And out of the vine came branches. And I couldn't find the grapes on the vine. Where did I find the grapes? On the branches. That's where I found it. Now he says it here clearly. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Who's going who's to produce the fruit? You and I. He's looking for fruit. The same as the first vineyard. Remember when he came to Israel and he said to them, I was looking for good choice grapes. And what did I get? Wild grapes. He comes to the world. And by the way, he is the true vine even for the world. But I'm going to give you a scripture verse in a minute. They reject him. And he asked of this world, I'm looking for fruit from the world. And what is going to happen? Those grapes is going to be clustered in. It's going to be put into the wine press of the wrath of God. And then he comes to you and me. And you call yourself a child of God and he says to you and me, I want fruit from you. Child of God, Christian, born again. You call yourself all those names. I want to start seeing some fruit. Now, let me just tell you this. I've studied this vineyard in my younger days with my six sisters and looking at that grape clusters every day. You remember, I went out every single day. And I know because I've been there every day. 
it's not as if I went out and the branch was trying to produce it. It isn't as if I walked up to the browns and the leaf said to me, I'm trying to get some fruit out of me. I'm trying so hard. Is it what happened? No, but why is it that I find so many Christians today who try so hard to bear fruit? They try All you need to be is abide in the vine and the fruit will come naturally. You get where I'm going? This is not a tick box. It's not a tick box where I call you <clears throat> sister and just want to check. There's five chicks here. Did you pray this morning? Tick. Did you wash your face this morning? Tick. Oh, but you didn't do this and this. No, you're not. You're failing. That's not that. That's not the Christian life. No, no. We abide in the vine, and by abiding in the vine, we will bear fruit. Now, what is the fruit? Let's have a look. We come back to our word righteousness. There we go. Remember in John, John chapter one verse eight, if we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we do what? Confess our sins, what will happen? He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins. That happens instantaneously. And then, a lot of people stop the verse right there. But it doesn't stop there. What does it say? And to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. That's your lifestyle. He will cleanse you from your own lifestyle. The Holy Spirit will do that. All we need to do, church, is abide in Him and the fruit will come. Let me just show you the fruit and, and we'll finish. What is the fruit? Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Is it your fruit? Is it your fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit who produces through the branch. Oh, oh yes, you will see the fruit on the branch. But if you see the fruit of the branch, you will know that the Spirit is in the person. You will see it by the fruit. You will know them by their fruit. If the Holy Spirit is in you, my dear friend, you will see these fruit. You don't have to try them. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And again, I can go into each one of these and preach a sermon about each word. I won't. I haven't got time. Gentleness, self-control against such there is no what? Law. You see? That is it. The fruit of the Spirit is it. Now, I know a man in New Zealand, I preached this once, and he got so taken by the heart, and next time we went around for a home visit, we walked into his home, he had all these words on little card boxes plastered all around his home. And I walked in there, and it is love on this wall, and it is joy there, and it's peace and long-suffering. And I go, are you trying to memorize the Scripture verse? No, 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 I want to live by these things. So if I see love, I know I need to produce love. If I see this, no, no, it's not works. You see, this is again coming back and trying to produce the fruit. You don't have to try to produce it. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, friend, the fruit of the Spirit will come naturally. This is where you see this. Let me finish this morning. We saw the first vine, a vineyard. 
it was Israel, Isaiah 5, the vineyard of the earth, Revelation 14, and the true one. And he guess what happened? He says, I planted my what in there? My choicest vine. Who's the choicest vine? It's Jesus Christ. He says, I planted in there. And now we find in John 1 verse 10, the following. He says, he was in the world. Who was in the world? Who was in the world? He, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him. He and he and the world did not know him. In which vineyard will you put those words? In the vineyard of the vine of the earth. Yeah? They don't want to know him. They don't want to, and, and, and let it be shocking for you, some churches, there's people in the churches who still don't want to know him. They want to play church. Yes, they want to play church and try to produce fruit. Hey, look at all of y'all, reach out, I'll reach out there. And it's 100,000 going to that reach out. 100,000, man, you can spend all your money as much as you like. If, you, if you're not abiding in the vine, you don't carry the fruit of the vine. I don't know why I went there then, but I just said it, okay? <laughs> you cannot produce the fruit of God. Yes, he said to us, go and preach the gospel to all nations. That's all I do. I preach the gospel. And you know what will happen? People will come to Christ. They will submit under his righteousness, and they will bear fruit. They don't belong to me. They belong to Christ. Anyway, I hurry on. He says, and the world did not know him. He came to his... Who's that? That's Israel. We had that in Isaiah chapter 5, you remember? He came, he planted the wisest there, and Israel turned their back on him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. What is this word? But many. But is the biggest theological word that you will find in the Bible. Only to me, according to me, okay? Not, not theologians. They'll say I'm fully saying those words, but... Here is a sharp contrast because he takes us into the third vineyard. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave what? The right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How wonderful is that? How marvelous is that? <laughs> How glorious is that? As many as received him. Have you received him? Have you? Are you abiding in Him? If you're abiding in Him, my friend, listen to me very carefully. You will have the joy of the Lord in the most difficult circumstances of your life. You will have the love of God poured into your heart that doesn't matter what happened, you will throw yourself out into any circumstances as a sacrificial love. You will have the patience of Job. <laughs> Where did that come from? You will have that long suffering. You will have all of those things will be part of your life. Oh, yes, you're going to tell me, but wait a minute, preacher. I know Christians, really Christians who are saved, who sometimes lose their temper, or not lose their temper, who, are, who gets mad. The Bible says it's fine. But don't sin, the Bible says. Don't continue on to sin. Don't go and sleep with an angry mind. Now, let me just read to you quickly as somebody prepare my wife to come and play for us. Let me read to you just what I read during this week, one of my times I spent with Jesus. Because as you, as you still know, we are part of Mark, aren't we? You remember, we are still preaching through the book of Mark. I just took a little bit of a detour in the last few weeks and months. Are you okay with the detour? I was going to do it anyway, but I'm just, you know, I want to get your permission, but I was going to do it. But... Uh, as I'm reading through in the mornings, I thought, let me just read again through 
And I, look, really interesting. I read about the vineyard. Look at Mark chapter 12. Because this is so true in our lives. If you are saying that you are part of the third vineyard of Christ, remember what I'm going to read to you now. He comes to look for fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, that's going to be the tell sign that you're not abiding in Him. Can I say that again? If you're not bearing this fruit, it is a tell sign that you're not abiding in Him. He says, abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Now, Mark chapter 12, verse 1, He then... Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. You see, there you go. And set a hedge around it. There you go. And dug a place for the wine vat. That means the vine press. And built a tower. Jesus talked about it. And he leased it to the vine dresses and went into a far country. Now at vintage time. What time is that? It's time to put in the sickle. And bring in the grapes. It's in the Old Testament when he came to Israel, he was looking for choice grapes and what did he get? Wild grapes. He comes to the earth and he looks for good grapes and what that he can put into the, the wine press of his of his wrath. He comes to you and me and he is looking for good fruit. And here he says vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dresses that he might receive some of the fruit of the vine from the vine dresses. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again he sent them to another servant, and uh, them, at him they threw stones and wounded him and in the head and sent him away and shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. Therefore still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. He sent his son to his own people. And he said these words, they will respect my own son. Do you think Israel respected him? He sent his son into the world. Do you think the world respects him? He sends his son into his children, you and me. Are you respecting him? He says it right here. He says... They will respect him. But those vine dressers said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come let us kill him, and inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. This is what happened to Jesus. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in your eyes. And the people standing around sought to kill him because they knew that he was talking about them. Three vineyards. Where are you today? You can't be Israel. There's so many people preaching today, we've replaced Israel. Replacement theology. I don't believe in that. We haven't replaced Israel. We are grafted in Romans, which says that we are grafted into the olive tree, which is Israel. It's another. I might, maybe I'll preach one day about the olive trees. See how many olive trees we find, yeah? Are you in the vine or the vineyard of the earth? 
if you are there, I highly recommend to you come to Christ. Listen to the Son, respect Him. And if you are sitting on the other side, abide in Him so that you can bear much fruit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, as I said this morning, it's all about vineyards and grapes and vines and fruit, but it is a confronting message. Because the Holy Spirit come to each one of our hearts and ask us, are you living a righteous life according to God or according to yourself? Father, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit investigate each of our hearts. And if there's any wild grapes in our lives, Lord, please help us to get rid of it so that we can bear good fruit. And Father, help us to abide in the vine because that's where the fruit comes from.